What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What's up, Chris? It's super week, partner. It is a super week indeed. And what they used to call Radio Row is now Media Row, which is now Podcast Row, which is, hey, we got some hot takes and some picks to give on the Super Bowl. And I give you a little teaser on the spread as well. We got people dropping 50 and 60 and even 70 in the NBA. We got a Mamba tribute coming up this week, Chris. We got a whole lot of rumors, a whole lot of injuries that have taken place in the NBA as well. But we got to get to the trade deadline first and foremost, Chris, because the trade deadline is upon us. By the time we lay our heads down over the course of the next 48 hours, we will know if D'Angelo Russell is still a Laker, if DeJounte Murray is still a Hawk, if Joel Embiid will get some help in Philly, if Houston is going to be buyers or sellers. We got We're going to get a whole lot of answers to our questions. So, Chris, what do you make of the fact that these teams have so many different picks and trades and rumors that are going on. Which ones are do you think are actually likely and have a little substance and traction? And which are the ones that are just going to stick to the wall and they're just trying to see if it's going to, you know, come down on? Well, last year, had the Lakers not made the deals that they made, it would have been a pretty disappointing deadline. When you really think about it, there were a lot of names that we thought were going to be moved that didn't end up getting moved, especially out of the Toronto camp. This year, the names that have the most traction to them, I think as we lead up to the deadline, are Boyan Bogdanovich of the Detroit Pistons, who did not play on Wednesday night as the, the Pistons were visiting the Sacramento Kings. Bruce Brown, who has already been traded from Indiana to Toronto, and Toronto kind of in a semi-rebuild mode. Uh, they they want to go a little bit younger. They might be able to get some more assets for Bruce Brown. Buddy Heald, who's, who's an expiring contract with the Indiana Pacers, he could be on the move. DeJounte Murray, I think as, as we get very close to the deadline, unless it's a slam dunk, I could see DeJounte Murray being this year's Fred Van Vliet. Remember last year, everyone thought Van Vliet's going to be on the move. We heard the Clippers. We heard the Lakers could be in on him. We heard a bunch of different rumors, and Van Vliet ended up finishing in the year in Toronto. So I think Murray is trend trending in that direction. And, of course, D'Angelo Russell, and I think to a lesser extent, Austin Reeves. Here's the thing. Everyone thought D'Angelo Russell played his last game against the Charlotte Hornets. All of these guys, Chaz, they're all really good players. Sem I all-star bubble type guys, especially Murray and D'Lo, given his past. But I think at this point, no one is going to go nuts for any of these players. And also, I can include the the trio in Brooklyn. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, um, uh, Royce O'Neal, and then even if you want to throw Kyle Kuzma in there as well. I just don't know the likelihood because of the play-in situation. And also, I just think some of these teams, when, when a team like Brooklyn is asking two first-rounders, two first-rounders for Dorian Finney-Smith? Like, are you effing kidding me, bro? They're, they're, tr they're trying to set the market. I understand but that, but, like, two first-rounders for Kyle Kuzma, I would tell you, is a lot. And Kuzma is a champion. Kuzma is, a, is an all-star caliber player. Kuzma could get 30 points in his sleep. And I would tell you two first-rounders is too much. 
So I just think right now it's going to be marginal moves. Things could change by Thursday afternoon or Thursday at noon. But I, I just, if you think there's going to be a massive home run, like what we saw the Lakers kind of do last year, and even that wasn't really a home run. That was more like an inside the park home run. I, I just don't think we're going to see that major move uh, going into oh, no, no, uh, no, no, Thursday. No, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. That was definitely a home run because you got about from a I'm talking about as far as star star power names. Star Absolutely. Power names. But yeah. but here's the here's the thing with some of these rumors though. I the greatest thing that happened was that Xavier Tillman got traded for two second round picks. Yep. From the Memphis Grizzlies to the Boston Celtics. Yeah. And Detroit I know it doesn't see doesn't seem like a, a big move, right? It's not going right. to sway anything. The Celtics are already the number one team in the Eastern Conference, just beat up um, at home on a team as well and, and got another win. So the Boston Celtics are doing good. They got mm. Xavier Tillman. What that means is for a starting or a solid bench guy, not a starting guy, but a solid bench guy, guy that's going to be in your rotation, that's going a playoff rotation, is going to go for two second rounders. Rui Hachimura went for three second rounders last year yep. when Rob Palenka decided to pluck him from D.C. Jake so Rodder went for like you said, there are going to be marginal moves made. There aren't going to be any major moves made because – there's nobody that's disgruntled that's coming out that's demanded a trade because those are the stars that really get traded at the deadline. The ones that have been clamoring since the summer before that, like the big name that would have been traded at the deadline this year would have been Dame Lillard. If he was still in Portland, some, some way, somehow, or if James Harden was still in Philly, some way, somehow, but those guys were big names that both got moved prior or during the season. So right. not prior, but actually both during the season, actually wait, Dame no, no, Dame, right. Dame, Dame was uh, yeah. uh, in September, yeah, and Harden, Harden got traded like right as the season. I want to say like yeah. two, three weeks into the regular season. By the way, Malcolm Brogdon, Jeremy Grant, those are other names that have been floated out there as well. I wanted to throw those Which, out there, yeah. From and, and you've said this for a long time, and you've always said that Jeremy Grant would look great playing alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but unfortunately, just, just, his contract is the problem. His contract has just never. Yeah, he got paid last year. Was it last year or the year before? No, no, he got he got the he took the five year one hundred seventy five million dollars extension. extension. Yeah, extension. Yeah. So, yeah. so no one's gonna want to pick that up right now uh, because they, they either are financially strapped or they don't want to give up additional assets in order to to get him. So, yeah, that's the that's the issue with Jeremy Grant. But yeah, I agree. I think he would look great in in Laker purple. Uh, you know, certainly would be an upgrade over Rui Hachimura, who's been kind of struggling since going back to the starting lineup. But yeah, those are some of the names that have been put out there into the atmosphere right now and i just don't know man we're hearing a bunch of mixed messages and i think to be honest Chaz, the marginal moves are going to be intriguing for the role players but also the buyout market i think is also going to be something where teams might freeze other teams out and then force their hand like a pj tucker bones highland from the clippers for example uh in order to um you know instead of giving up assets they may just go that route there are yeah, assuming they, they get bought out. There are a slew of players that can get bought out, like a PJ Tucker, that could sway things for a contender that's close. The team that I'm looking for to make a move would be the Phoenix Suns or the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. Denver's got to do something. Their, their defense is inconsistent. As the champions, they shouldn't have... I mean, they have a good record. They're tied for second pretty much in the West, but mm. 
you, they should be beating teams. They should be number one. The Clippers should not be number one right now, even though they're playing great basketball, winning 26 of their last 31 games. Um, you know, but Denver's that good to where they're only what a game and a half behind and they've lost several games that they shouldn't have lost in my opinion. So uh, there's going to be teams at the top that I think are going to make moves. Boston being one of them that are, have already done it. And the big question is, do the Lakers make that move? I'm of the belief that D'Angelo Russell is going to be a Los Angeles Laker after the deadline. I like the way that he's played. I think other people have liked the way that he's played as well. I don't think the deal that Rob wants is there unless a third team gets involved. Austin Reeves is not going to be traded. There are not a plethora of assets or major players that are going to come to the Lakers. The Lakers are much, much better off if they did anything marginal, tested the buyout market, got guys healthy, right? Mm -hmm. If you can get some guys healthy, like a Gabe Vincent, like a Cam Reddish consistently, Vando. we'll see how long Vando is out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Vando is out for. Um, we'll see how those guys fare, but that's the team that I'm looking at. Obviously, them being, you know, my team and everything like that, but that's just the most intriguing team, them and the Knicks. But the Knicks are just playing great basketball, and I think they'll be able to hold on until Julius Randle gets back. And obviously, OG Ananomi has played great for them in the time that he's been uh, traded from Toronto uh, to the Big Apple. The situation with the Lakers is always about when you're in the LeBron business, it's win or bust, which is almost the, the Laker model when you think about it. However, I almost think, Chaz, I think about this trade deadline and I think about 2022. Remember when everyone was saying, trade Russ, even if all you get is John Wall, it's better than Russ, and maybe you you know, uh, uh, you know get a better fit moving forward. And what did Rob Palenka do? No, we're not going to trade Russ. This is what you guys signed up for. You guys figured it out. Coaches, players, whoever, you guys figured it out. And I think Rob, this was the team everybody was clamoring for. The fans wanted it. The players wanted it. The coaches wanted it. We, what do we want? Depth and continuity. Hey, you got it. Oh, it's not working out? Why don't you guys figure things out for a change? You know, instead of looking for the bailout. I understand that, but I'm saying I think that's the approach Rob is going to take circa 2022 so they don't mortgage the farm rather than last year when it was obvious like, okay, and you had more more of a, of, of a leverage situation because Russ was on a player option. No one wanted to take that uh, take that deal two years ago. They were willing to take it in 2023 because that was the final uh, year of his contract. I think they're in a similar situation. They do not want to give up Austin Reeves. Yeah, Reeves is not having the greatest season, but his season hasn't been horrible. D'Angelo Russell, through all of his flaws and inconsistencies, is a good fit for this roster. He's a good fit next Perfect to Anthony fit. Davis. He's a good fit next to LeBron James. Okay, not find anything better than him for this exactly. roster. Exactly. The only reason you would trade for DeJounte Murray is if you're thinking down the road, because I'm telling you this right now, Chaz, as good as much as I like DeJounte Murray, and I've been a big fan of his since he came into the league in San Antonio, the only reason you would trade for him is to have another building block to go along with Anthony Davis moving forward. And even then, they don't want that to come at the expense of Austin Reeves, because in my opinion, a Reeves and a D'Lo compared to, to Murray, it's a wash, dude. You're not getting better or worse by giving up those two guys. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. So I'm thinking at this point, the Lakers are not going to kowtow to LeBron James. They will continue to get better on the margins. 
Maybe try to go out and get a backup big. Maybe go out and get a defensive-minded guard. And hopefully, Vando and Gabe Vincent could, could, could come back and may, maybe make an impact on this team in the second half. And it's such a damn shame what happened to Vando, dude, because he was starting to really co- uh, come into form uh, before that, that foot injury again. He's the only reason why the Lakers went four and two on this trip because he is the reason why they won in Boston, which gave them the energy that they needed to win the remainder of the games in the work on the road trip, to be truly honest with you. At Big that. part of that Boston win. Um, but really for, as far as LeBron goes, look, I don't mind him putting pressure on the organization. I don't mind him wanting no, to maximize it as, as much as he wants to. I know he wants to retire as a Laker, but he also wants to win a championship more than retiring as a Laker, to be truly honest, if he could, if he had to, if he had to choose. Um, but he would like to like to have it his way and have another championship in a Laker uniform. So he's going to press that button, not pick up his option, f- send out Cryptic emojis, tweets. wear Nick's towels during post-game conf- uh, uh, press con- or uh, walk-off interviews, I should say. Um, he's going to do all those things, but this is nothing new. And ultimately, he's not going to like it, but I don't think any of the deals are going to materialize. I'll be shocked if they do, if they make anything that's major, that's going to shake up the roster. I do think that if they can do something with Gabe, Gabe Vincent, or, you know, if they can get Bruce Brown somehow, or if they can get in any of these guys, like a yeah. Finney Smith or Royce O'Neal, if they can get a guy on the perimeter and, and a big, they'll be fine. But as far as LeBron James goes, he's not playing for the Knicks. He's not going back to Cleveland. He's not going to try and team up with his son on the Charlotte Hornets or any of these whack or in Atlanta or any of these dumb ass rumors that I'm seeing obviously on the internet and that all the other major media outlets are forced to discuss because people are so dense about wanting to talk about it. But yeah, he moves the needle with, when it comes to news. Yeah. That that's, that's just what it is. But ultimately I'm excited for it. It's, it's really exciting when all this happens around the trade deadline and then he goes to all-star weekend and then he mingles with all these guys mm-hmm. and he's talking and whispering and everything like that. And everything turns into, you know, oh man, could he be setting it up for next year? This also used to be the trade deadline used to be after the all-star break, not before. So yeah. this was actually a bigger deal in recent in previous years, but I'm excited to see what actually actually happens ultimately. Um, but there's a lot of stars, Chris. There's a whole lot of stars in the NBA whole lot of all-stars, a whole lot of players dropping major buckets. And unfortunately, Joel Embiid went down with a torn meniscus. Good news for the 76ers that he's out only only four weeks to where he'll be reevaluated. I'm not sure exactly what kind of procedure he got. That We'll come to find that out eventually, I'm sure, like we do everything else in this age. But Joel Embiid is going to be out. The Sixers have to decide if they're going to hold on and be buyers and try and maintain, or if they're going to shut and be down for the season. I don't think they actually will. But Chris, what do you make of not only Joel Embiid and his 70 that he scored recently, but Luka's 73, all these other players dropping 70-plus, like yeah. Donovan Mitchell last year, mm-hmm. uh, Devin Booker, who did it a couple years ago as well. I think he's done it twice now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Devin Booker, I think, had 60. Cat had 60 recently. And some of these guys had these big games, Chaz, and losing anyway. efforts. 
That's the Steph sad had part. 60 in a loss. Yeah. I mean, that's, the that's really the, Atlanta. that's the sad part. Uh, yeah. I, I, Atlanta, I don't Amazing I mean, game, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, Quinn Snyder, I always thought was a defensive minded coach. I mean, but that, uh, that team cannot defend if their freaking lives depended on it. Uh, if they had to defend a, uh, a dead body, the dead body, I think could drop 35 on the Atlanta Hawks. That's how bad they are defensively. Uh, yeah, no, they're bad. And they just gave up 149 to the Clippers in a loss at home the other night, but that's, that's the Hawks. They, they're just not playing any defense, uh, right now. Uh, yeah, you know, Chaz, there used to be a time where you scored 50. That was a huge game. Now it seems like it's almost become watered down the way the home run has been watered down. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, 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 think about it. You know, okay. it used to mean to me. where it's like, oh, you hit 45, 55 home runs. That means something. Now it's like guys are averaging 46 and, you know, 46 to 56 home runs between guys like Kyle Schwarber or Aaron Judge. But it's become watered down because if you look at their other stats, they're not as impressive. Kyle Schwarber hit 46 home runs for the Phillies this past year. Dude, the dude hit under 200 in the average. That never happened. You know what I'm saying? Like that is pure slug. Even Max Muncy did not have a good season for the Dodgers as far as average went. It wasn't as bad as Schwarber's, but he still like matched a career high with home runs. I think that's the same thing now in the NBA in part because they're scoring all these points, but it's like, well, where's the defense? You know what I mean? You're watering down what the scoring, what the scoring production is because uh, you know, the, the rules now favor the offensive players. You can't hand check while well, you haven't been able to hand check for 20 years, but you're not really offering any much resistance because teams don't want to be picking up fouls. You can't close out hard on shooters anymore because of the, the Zaza Pachulia thing on uh, Kawhi Leonard back in 2017. So Absolutely. it's, I'm not trying to take away from the talent of Booker or Embiid or Doncic or anybody else, Donovan Mitchell either, <coughs> excuse me. But at the same point in time, you have to look at this and almost take it with the grain of salt where it's like, these guys are scoring on these awful teams, on these awful defenses. And what does it really mean? It's kind of sullying the, I don't want to say sullying the dignity, but it's kind of, there's an asterisk next to it now. Uh, it, just, I, it just doesn't feel I, like it once okay, did. Okay, let me, it let me say. It me... feels like it's too easy. It's not too easy. This is still the NBA. These are still NBA players. These are still the best in the world. And if you can score 50, 60, 70, 73, 81, 100, regardless of the day and age or era that you're in, it's still impressive. Why? Because there's only a handful of guys that are ever, that have ever done it in the history of the league, going back to all the way when Naismith invented basketball. So well, we had four in two weeks. That's look, a lot, dude. I Look, I get it. Because guys tap into that bag, that Mamba mentality. And we're going to get into the tribute for Kobe and everything that's going down in the festivities. Um, sucks that they didn't make that public, um, but I understand why they didn't, because it's just a frenzy in the city of LA over Kobe. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I just think that guys tap into their bag around that time of the anniversary of 81, especially with him being gone because he influenced so many of this current generation, him being Kobe, Kobe Bryant. And I just think that ultimately guys these days practice and are better shooters than they 
ever have been in the history of the league. They're better playmakers. The spacing is better. The pace of the game is better. The the referee, the referees, people say the referees are soft, but they're better. They're more consistent than they probably have been based on the flow of the game. And I would say that only because if that's not the case, then how could the pace continue to increase as the years go by, not decrease, if the refs were really trying to slow the game down and calling as many fouls as we think. It's not as bad as we think, but it's just it comes in those bad moments. That's the reason why I want to defend myself immediately after saying that I'm never going to cape for the refs, but the game has just evolved. That's why you can have these analogies like you just gave with baseball. Baseball has evolved over a century and a half, almost two centuries now. The game for the NBA has evolved. So guys are taking more threes, making more threes. The spacing is better. And to me, personally, I think Kobe's 81 is going to be the go down as the most impressive until somebody probably breaks his or Wilt's 100. Because, you know, although Wilt did it, he did it against Milkman and there yeah. was, was no there was no footage of it in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Kobe's time was in the modern age where Sam Mitchell was throwing every defense at him mm-hmm. in a time where nobody could score 70 points yeah. on the Detroit Pistons That's at true. the time. Yeah. And teams were celebrating by scoring more than 70 points. If you don't believe me and you're not a historian of the game, Google it. <laughs> so during that time, Kobe's dropping 81 points on the Toronto Raptors. So for me, I get it, Chris, but 70 is 70, 50 is 50 in the NBA it's still the NBA. It just, I'll, it just. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, no, that's those are good points. And sometimes this comes down to the evolution of things. Things change. You know, Jordan changed a lot of things. I mean, I'm sure there were people who never thought there would be a 60 plus point game in a playoff game, and he did it. I think he did it on two different occasions. So you know, I I 100% agree. And I've been saying this for a while. When people say the the NBA game is a bad product, and I know we'll we'll move on in a sec. Uh, I always say the game as far as talent and as far as league balance, I don't think has ever been in a better place. Yeah, there's some bad teams, no question about it. And there's still some bad basketball. But as far as overall parity, I don't think we're, we've ever been in a better place than, than, than we are right now. However, okay. I just yeah, – that's, that's, that's true. That's yeah. true. And, and I just think, though, with that, it's there's less defense – uh, players are not playing as consistently. There's a lot more guys sitting out games and everything. That's why there's this 65 game rule to be eligible for awards and MVP and things like that. But at the, you know, there has to be some sort of accountability. You can't let the prisoners run the asylum either. There's got to be a balance. I hate that fucking saying. But... I understand, but you but you you understand though. There has to be some sort of accountability because there's a lot of hands in this. Whether it be owners, media, fans. TV networks, now streaming networks, there is an element of, of accountability there as well. And, and I just kind of think, and especially now with how much money is, is in the game, we're talking like a massive million, a billion dollar business. You got to think about all, all of those things. So I'm not saying that, I'm just saying there has to be, I think that the players have taken advantage of the partnership aspect that Adam Silver originally has in mind and that, that'll happen. And this is, and by the way, the players agreed on this. So it wasn't like the owners, our word is law, and that was it. This was part of the collective bargaining agreement. You guys want to be eligible for awards? You got to sh- show up in this many games, and I think that's fair. Sixty-five, I think, is is solid. You thought so too when we talked about it 
you know? What I'm saying though, all of these things are connected, Jazz. All of these things, the quality of play, the quality of players, um, the product that we're seeing on the court, it, it's all connected. And there are a lot of good parts, which is why I still enjoy it. There's also a lot of bad parts to it. And it's just like, yeah, it's great to see, wow, 70, 65, but it's like, what do these numbers really mean? You know what I'm saying? They used to It mean- still means 70, 65, <laughs> double nickel. Double nickel in the 90s in the garden is still double nickel in Atlanta in the 2024. So like, hey, look, stop it with all that. Stop it. Let me just tell you this. Stop it. Come on. On the other side of that, there are some great players in the league. There's some other great players doing some great things in this week in another league. I'll tell you about them on the other side of this break. You know what? Here's to going for it and being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all. Even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? (laughs) Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our shows on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. Of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue started. Chaz, before we move on to Super Bowl 58 in a rematch of a Super Bowl four years ago, quick shout-out, and it's to you, my friend. Uh, Chaz became a dad over the weekend. And yes, I am putting your personal business but it, on blast, but I figured, you know what? It's an addition to the Outlet Forum family, to the Pearson family. Congratulations to you and your fiance. Brought, brought home a baby girl, Brielle Taylor, who I got to say is beautiful. It's a good thing she takes after your fiance. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but honestly, man, um, you know, I don't have any kids of my own. I do. I do remember though, meeting my, my two nephews and the niece for the first time. And it was, it's a surreal experience, man. So I can only imagine how excited yet, how, you know, how much things have changed all on the last 48 hours. So I wanted to point that out. And, uh, I just want to say congratulations to you and, and your fiance, Jasmine, man, uh, really well done and, uh, really happy and excited for you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, man. I, I, I felt that. I received that, man. Uh, you've been a great partner and you've stepped in and stepped up, um, you know, not only for me, but for us. And, you know, especially with those great words and the diapers that you send as well, big dog, they are <laughs> being put to use as we speak. There it so, is. Uh, much appreciated. And uh, man, like you said, it's it's something that you can't really describe 
and now I understand why so many people say that. And I'll just leave it at that. I, I, I love the little girl to pieces. Um, but getting back into sports, really quick, Detroit is going to beat Sacramento. If you had the Detroit cover play on the road, shout out to you. But getting back over there in the football, Super Bowl pick. Chris, who you got, man? Because this is the game that the San Francisco 49ers, they've been chopping at the bit. Mm. They got so close one year, and Mahomes did it to them, and Tyreek Hill and Jimmy Garoppolo just went down in flames. Um, they got back. They almost got back, but the Rams did it to them. I was there. I witnessed it. Aaron Donald came up two huge stops at the end of that game to go to the Super Bowl and win it against Cincinnati. Now they get back. They get, go to Philly. They're about to possibly get back to the Super Bowl again. Can't get over the hump because Brock Purdy Got injures his elbow. And here they are again. They make it all the way back, and they actually do get to the Super Bowl. But who's up waiting for them? Playing the best football of, of their lives, quite possibly. Believe it or not, Patrick Mahomes, who is playing his version of Brock Purdy game manager ball and has no turnovers, has gone into Baltimore, into Buffalo, where he's not supposed to win. He's an underdog, up against the spread, wins straight up, and is in the Super Bowl, him and Kelsey. And the way Kelsey has been a compart- has been able to compartmentalize with his t- Taylor Swift finanza, hmm. or bonanza, I should say, sorry. Yeah. But I'm thinking, also, I'm thinking of also the fact that they're in the Super Bowl again, for the fourth time, yeah, and they could bring home a third trophy. So, Chris, who do you have? I'll give you mine after. I might even give you a little teaser pick on it with the spread as well. Yeah, as of right now, I believe the spread is two points, right? Uh, Niners by – I'm sorry, uh, Chiefs favored by two. Is that nah, – cur- depends on depends on who your bookie is. Yeah, but well, yeah. and also we're at midweek right now. we still got <laughs> another three – about three and a half days before the, the line actually changes – you know, the one thing I think we've all made a mistake of this year, myself included. And remember, I went scorched earth when they were losing games to the Broncos, when they lost that game to the Bills, when they've lost a lot of the, I mean, what was their record this year, Chaz? I want to say they were 11 and six, right? They finished second or second in the, in the AFC. They, they didn't get home yeah. field. Yep. They didn't get home field. Three, they didn't get three seed. Three seed. seed. Yeah, 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 exactly. They were three seed. Uh, So here's the thing. These last two teams for the Chiefs, you can make the argument, are the least talented teams that they've had. Offensively speaking, anyway. And yet here they are. I'd say as far as receivers go, not offensive line. Isaiah Pacheco is a beast. Right. But my point is, is that they found a way to win different ways. This was not supposed to be their year. Just looking at the body language, looking at sort of the lack of chemistry, and yet here they are. So I wanted to point that out first because it speaks to the culture of this team. And Patrick Mahomes will probably be the first one to tell you, just get let us get to the big dance. Uh, let us get to the playoffs healthy and hungry. And I think the doubters, even though they're the defending Super Bowl champs, there's been an underdog type mentality with them because everybody was saying, watch out for the Bills, watch out for the Ravens, watch out for the, for, for the Dolphins. And yet here they are. So if there's yeah. one thing I've learned, it's to not bet against them. 
Whereas Niners, on the other hand, you could make the argument they've sort of stumbled their way to the Super Bowl. Oh, they did. Yeah. In the playoffs. Regular season, they were they there were flashes of dominance, minus that three-game losing streak. I think at times they've been talking a little too much on the field, their arrogance and whatnot. I don't want to say arrogance, but definitely their they their overconfidence at times. And they lost and, two of the last three to close the season, regular season. Yeah. And in one of those games, they they were resting their starters. So I don't know how much stock you put into that to the Rams, but it was what it was. Here's the thing. Kyle Shanahan, to me, is at the Marty Schottenheimer, Marv Levy level. A very good coach, but can he win the big one? He is right now where Andy Reid was about 20 years ago with with McNabb and and those boys in in Philadelphia. That's where he's at, to me. So people are going to say Kyle Shanahan's a good coach. And to me, he has been. He's developed quarterbacks. He's put together good offensive systems. His teams have really had an old school. It's weird. He knows how to put he knows how to put quarterbacks in a position to be successful, but his teams have always been dependent on the run and a good defense. That to me is such an old school type mentality. But the question is, can they? Can, you know, they dug out of a hole against uh, Green Bay. They dug out of a hole against Detroit. Can they do it against the Chiefs? Should they find themselves in a situation like that? I am not too sure if they can. So their game plan has got to be predicated on control, striking first striking hard, striking early and throughout. No mistakes, no interceptions, no fumble losses, any of that stuff. They have got to be sharp in this game because if there's one thing that Mahomes and them have done very well throughout these playoffs, Chaz, is be a great defense and make you pay for mistakes. They've done an outstanding job of that. They did it against the the Bills. They did it against uh, the Ravens and they could very well do it against the Niners as well. So with that being said, I don't want to see it happen, but I think the Niners, I'm sorry, I think the Chiefs are going to win that game. I got the Chiefs as well, just from the simple fact that Patrick Mahomes, I said that if Patrick Mahomes goes into Buffalo and wins that game as an underdog, this is his, he's Michael Jordan of his generation like he is he is what we think he is what we called him to be what we've crowned him to be um and the fact that he did it again the next week in baltimore against that defense and after seeing what san francisco did at home against jordan love in his first ever playoff game and jared goff in his first ever playoff game in over three years i mean look man I don't I, I don't want to hear the fact that the Niners are stacked and that this they should do it. They likely won't. But here but, I will but say no, no, this. I agree I'll, though. I'll, I'll, they I'll should them, do I'll, it. I'll give them they, they should, should do, do it. it. But it, yeah. And here and here's why I will say this. My prediction is one of two things. It will either be a cheat Chiefs win close by three or less, or a route by the Niners by two touchdowns or more. One of the one of the two. I don't see the Chiefs blowing them out, and I don't see the Niners winning a close one. So that's my that's how I see it. Bet the line, take Patrick Mahomes. I bet against him again in Baltimore. I I should have taken him and decided not to bet it in in Buffalo. I'm gonna go ahead and take the points and go with Patrick Mahomes to hoist his third Lombardi Trophy. Quick question on the cross matchups. Shanahan versus Spags, Reed and Matt Nagy versus Steve Wilkes. 
who do you think makes the necessary adjustments on those Spags. two cross mat Spags, Spags versus I, you got you I got Spags it. taking down Sh Shanahan. I saw it. I saw what McVeigh did to. I saw what McVeigh and Staley did to Shanahan. I can't wait to see what Spags does to Shanahan on on this stage, especially after what they did to Lamar two weeks ago. And what is Wil does Wilkes try to take out Kelsey? Like, how do you take? Do you maybe attach a Dre Greenlaw or a Warner to Kelsey and make make guys like MVS and and Rice take you out? Like, I'm trying to figure out the the, the specific matchups, Chaz. Like, how do they get the ball out of Kelsey's hands? Because if you could neutralize Kelsey, I like the chances of taking it with Tony, assuming Tony plays. Rice and MBS forcing those guys to beat you rather than the big dog. Do, do you remember Patrick Mahomes had that ankle injury leading up to the Super Bowl, like at the end of the regular season? That was last year. Yeah. In the playoffs and mm -hmm. in the Super Bowl as well. Yep. Yep. He's not dealing with that injury. And he still did what he did to the Eagles, who were the number one defense last year. Mm -hmm. So doing what he did to Baltimore this year I don't even think it's about them being able to shut down Kelsey if, if they put Greenlaw and Kelsey one-on-one -on -one, that's barbecue chicken if you go ahead and send somebody on an over I mean he's just going to light you up on the outside outside the numbers but also think about this the reason why I bring up that ankle injury is because it's non-existent Patrick Mahomes is going to run the football yeah. he's going to rush and, here, and here's a prop bet and I was going to save this but Put it down for put Patrick Mahomes down for an anytime rushing TD. I don't know what the I, I I think the odds on that are like plus 180 or 190, or whatever, but easy money. I think he's going to run at least one in on this team because, like you said, they're going to have to take away something. Yeah. And when you take away something, something else opens up. And they forget as great of an arm as he is, he does scramble quite a bit. And not as had, good as Josh Allen. No, he, he's, he's had some good ones. But the, and they've had trouble against the run. Gibbs and Montgomery had a good game. They 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 kind of floundered in the second half. But I don't know how much of that was the Niners defense or how much of that was bad play calling by Dan Campbell. And then even Aaron Jones had a really good game in the Packers game. So, but I could only imagine what Pacheco, who's had an outstanding season and an outstanding postseason, Chaz. I can only imagine what he can do. But I think that defense, Wilkes and that defense needs to set a tone early in this game. And I hope they've learned their lessons from these last two games because they have not looked sharp for chunks of those games against Green Bay and Detroit. And that could cut, and that could very well, you know, lead, lead to them uh, losing this game. But it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun game to, to see. I can't wait. <clears throat> going to watch Going to watch it with baby girl. Got to watch it with baby girl. It's going to be great. And you can give her an early introduction to Taylor Swift, and because you know, you know, there's going to be at least 15 cutaways to 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 the Swifty up there with Brittany what's Mahomes. The overall, what's the over under on that? I, I want to say it's ten and a half. Are you serious? Is that a serious answer? That's what I heard from Chris Chris Cuomo. He think I think it's going to be ten and a half. I'm gonna, I'm, bro. I'm gonna look up some pretty cool prop bets. I, I normally don't do prop bets for the Super Bowl, but I think that there's gonna be some. Uh, oh, I got a good pretty, one for you. Some pretty good ones. Uh, I will give you three to one odds that Usher leads off with yeah. No, nope, not a chance. 
He he does not lead off with yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what he leads off with, but it's not going to be yeah. Does he close with yeah? And then he brings up Little John. Step back and rewind it back. Little John got. Hey, I can see that, but yeah. not, you don't. You don't start it off. You know, maybe something slow. To be honest with you, it's a, you start off slow. Like maybe like there goes my baby or something. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know, I, man. Dre I have no idea. Dre and Snoop started off hot. They did, but this is an R and B artist. Yeah, true. you got to remember this is an, this is an R and B artist, but he has hits for days. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna go back, and he's gonna perform a whole lot of stuff from eight seven zero one to Confessions to the new album that he just dropped. Um, I think last week. So, uh, very much so looking forward to the Super Bowl. I saw some poll that seventy percent of people are not excited. For the halftime Super Bowl show I this heard year, that too. how could you not be a fan of Usher? But, but I don't know. The guy looks the same as he was when I watched that 1999 piece of crap horror film, the uh, the the Faculty. Which remember that with Josh Hartnett, <laughs> the piece of shit horror film <laughs> <laughs> with Josh Hartnett and Elijah Wood and Jordana Brewster. You remember that movie? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. I'm just I'm saying curious. it was it was a piece of crap because it was like blatant. Like some of the stuff was like, come on, man. Good yeah. stuff. Really quick on the NFL. What yes. do you make of Harbaugh? Oh. Is he is he going to get Saquon? Is he going to transform the Chargers? Like I figured that they were probably would. I prayed that they didn't make that move for the city of LA because I did not want the Chargers to be more relevant. But now that they got Harbaugh, they are relevant chris what do you make of it yeah i i i thought it was a great hire i thought you got to go carroll or harbaugh harbaugh those to me makes the most sense because he's had success just everywhere he's gone stanford san francisco michigan coming off of a national championship this guy galvanizes and there's few coaches that we could say galvanize and pete i love pete carroll and i think that would have been a savvy hire as well but if jim harbaugh is out there and he's relatively younger than pete carroll I think what makes that Chargers job attractive is Justin Herbert. That's really it. It's got a dysfunctional ownership group. It doesn't have a really solid fan base. They're the only organization that's pissed off two cities. San Diego called them traitors. LA called them interlopers. Nobody really wants them. You know what I mean? They are the redheaded stepchild, unfortunately. But now with Harbaugh, it's like, oh, this guy brings a cachet and he brings something special to the table that Staley or Lynn or even the great Marty Schottenheimer never brought to, to, to That's this right. squad. So I think they're going to, they're going to hit the ground running. I like the coaching staff. He brought in Jesse Minter as his defensive coordinator, his old pal, Greg Roman, who had some good years with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick when they were together in San Francisco. I think that's going to be solid for, for him. Cause I think Roman is going to find a way to, you know, keep putting Herbert in a position to be successful. But Chaz, they got other issues they got to address. The salary cap issues, they, they they still have to, you know, build up that receiver core a little bit, the run game, and figure out how do we get ourselves back on track? Because we can't go from a playoff team to a team that goes 5-11 and 11 the very next year. But I, I definitely like the hire. What say you? I love the hire. I love the hire. I love the fact that it was the the writing was on the raw. Once he hired David Yee as an agent, I mean that's your NFL guy. Go go ahead and get get a job lined up, and he did. So, yeah. um, what's also in the news is the fact that Ben Johnson, you know, declined on the Commanders' job while the guys were midair to go ahead and seal the deal, and yeah. that was a whole hullabaloo 
last week as well, even though Ben Johnson, I think, made the right decision um, because some guys are just not leaders of men. And I hate when guys like Josh McDaniels get a head job and are clearly in over their skis. Nate Hackett, um, you know, Matt Eberflus. Yeah. Eberflus, who still has his job and and could be Caleb Williams head coach next year. Unbelievable. I hope not, but it is what it is with the Bears having the number one pick. But you're really really glad Pierce got the Raiders job. Very glad Pierce got the Raiders job. Wasn't there word that Pete Carroll was going to transition into the front office, but that was never confirmed? Like, just I think now it is. There's no more openings, and I think he's going to take a year, probably work part-time in the Seattle role. Uh, They just hired a a new head coach, Mike McDonald, from the Baltimore Ravens. So, uh, you know, Carroll's going to probably stay there in like a mentory role, you know, kind of help with the transition of the coaching. But I'm sure him and Belichick, they'll be – They'll be the two guys that everyone looks at next year when when there's more openings. Same with Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel is not coaching anywhere either next year. But well, and that's only because he got a raw deal in Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee because of yeah. the new owner that stepped in, who thought he was talking shit behind their back about the organization, yeah. but he really wasn't. The enemy too is also unemployed. So was Riverboat Ron. A lot of guys. The en- yeah, the enemy He's- somehow some way spoke. In front of the Chiefs mm-hmm. after he got fired, leading up to the Super Bowl this week. So that's a story as well. If you don't have you haven't checked that out, check that out as well. But last thing I'll say on the coaching curve. So I don't know why the fuck Bill Belichick not getting a job is any news. The guy's old as shit. He's never been the guy who to galvanize guys like that himself. He's always been a guy that have one singularly great player and focus on the defensive side of the ball. He never was the guy to articulate himself and be great and gracious to the media or players and to be able to attract free agents. So I don't know why it was such a big story that he didn't get a job. And the fact that he lost out on the Falcons job, which should have been a sure thing to Raheem Morris, by the way, shout out to Raheem. So glad he got a second opportunity, especially with the Falcons, an organization that he knows well. Uh, He was there when they went to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, he was part of that 28-3 to uh loss you know the 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 comeback one of the great comebacks by tom brady and ironically enough bill belichick so i'm glad he got that position but yeah belichick i i you know fit is everything Chaz. and i looked across these teams and i'm like i don't know which of these teams he really fits on he fit new england but even that ran stale my thing at this point is dude you don't need to be the gm just go out and be the head coach you know work with the gms do your thing but you don't need to have that much autonomy because that just does not work unless your name is Pat Riley or Greg Popovich. And even those guys have like really strong staffs behind them. The buck doesn't stop just with those guys. And I think that's what Bill has to really, really, you know, overcome because what he has shown, and you're absolutely right on this, is that has the game passed him up a bit? It looks like it. It looks like it. And I think we'll have more clarity on who this man is, who this man really is, when that new series comes out on Apple, The Patriot Way. One quote, we worked for Bill, but we played for Brady. That tells you everything you need to know right there, my friend. And I got nothing but respect for Bill Belichick. Iconic coach, one of the greatest of all time, any sport, I don't care. But there are times when you need to know, like, maybe I got to – take a step back and slow it down a little bit. Even a guy like Jim Harbaugh will tell you that too. You know, he, he his time ran its course in San Francisco because of issues with the front office. And that's where yeah. Bill, I think, so, needs to kind of, you know, figure that out as well. What, 
and that's I, that's what's going to happen. I think ultimately Bill might get that Cowboys job. That's that's the job that he's probably going to get. That Sean Payton should have. Uh, well, actually, in hindsight, now now that Mike McCarthy is still there, actually, what do you think? If Sean Payton was still available and never took the Denver job mm -hmm. and was a candidate in this cycle with all of these other guys, does Sean Payton or anybody else for that matter get the Dallas job? Or does Mike McCarthy? You answer first. What do you think? You think you think yes? I think Sean Payton would be the Dallas coach right now in a heartbeat before if if it was if Mike McCarthy if he was available if and if Mike McCarthy was fired here's the problem and I was saying that when he took when he retired so quote unquote from the Saints when Mike McCarthy was still shit in the bed in Dallas yeah in but let's be honest Peyton shit the bed a lot post Saints Super Bowl there were a lot of early exits my friend I, I want to say maybe he showed up to the NFC Championship game one more time after can, I, the Super Bowl win. I'm just was, saying, was, bro. I'm just and all I'm saying is based on that roster and the amount of talent that they had, they they just needed a guy to get them over the hump. But hey, yeah, I could be wrong. No, no, no. I, I, as far as cachet, for whatever reason, he he has more cachet than McCarthy. Even though they're both, they've only been to the Super Bowl once. They both won it once, right? And actually, McCarthy's had more trips to the NFC Championship game than Sean Payton has, and certainly more in recent years. The issue is, hasn't been McCarthy struggling or losing the squad. The, the issue with McCarthy is, why can't this guy win anymore in the playoffs? But you could also make that same argument with Sean Payton. I just don't know if it's a clear, straight-up upgrade over Mike McCarthy. But would, could it be a better, like you're saying? To me, it is. No, no, me, it is. no, no, no. You're talking about fit, though. You're talking about I think he's a better fit in Dallas than Mike McCarthy. Yes, but yes, he's an upgrade as well. We're gonna get we're gonna get sidetracked on this really quick. But I just that's yes, a good it's upgrade. a good question though. It's a good question. I, I yeah. just I just I just think that Mike McCarthy, whoever it let me just say this. I'm trying to I'm thinking on the fly here. Whoever ends up being the defensive coordinator, if it ends up being Rex Ryan and Mike McCarthy, the, hey. The word on the street is that Rex Ryan is coming out of the booth and interviewing in You've Dallas. got Rivera. You've got Vrabel. You've got all hey. these good guys available, and you're going to go with Rex Ryan. And I like Rex, but – I'm not I, saying that – we're not saying – we don't know if these all these other guys interviewed or not, but we do know that the reporting is, if it's accurate from Shefty, like all of it normally is, and Pelissero and – It's a good defense. Guys, yeah. Rex Ryan is taking meetings. Okay. And Dallas Cowboys has talked, has spoken to him. Wow. Does that mean we get Rob as an assistant to Rex? No, 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 no. I think Rob, <laughs> I think Rob, I think, to be honest, I think Rob is coaching high school is, is what I, I think I, I read that somewhere, but I could, could be wrong. But wow. NFL, NFL is king. It's always going, whether the Super Bowl is this week or not, it's always going to be king, always needs to be but not of LA. It's going to be very, very, very interesting. I'm curious to know what happens with the rims and all of that cap space, especially with the roster that they have and how they took, how far they took it. And but, on, I was just going to say, shout out to Chris Shula, new defense coordinator of the Rams. Shout out to him. Glad he got the job. Go ahead. Promoted. Um, Speaking of promotions, Kobe Bryant mm. immortalized 
promoted to from Laker legend to Laker immortal tomorrow mm. or not tomorrow. Well, as, as we're recording this, 2 8 24, February 8th, 2024, on a Thursday before a Denver Nuggets Los Angeles Lakers game. Kobe Bryant will be enshrined into what the Lakers, it's like the Lakers ring of honor, but it's for the arena of the crypto.com, what they call Star Plaza, Oscar De La Hoya, Chick Hearn, Shaquille hmm. O'Neal, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Wayne Gretzky, Magic Johnson, just to name a few, are all in this Star Plaza, and Kobe Bryant will be will have the, one of the largest statues, a center statue, in a ceremony that is closed to the public in Los Angeles, and is probably going to be one of the final times in a grand stage in a televised sense uh, that we will be celebrating Kobe Bryant at Crypto.com Arena. We've already retired his jersey. We've had memorials. We now it is time for the statue that will live on forever and ever uh, as Lakers. So I'm really excited for this. I'm going to be watching all the coverage. It is on the same day as trade deadline day. So there's going to be a lot of NBA news and NBA coverage for this. But man, going back to. Kobe, I don't celebrate or acknowledge the day that he died, which was recently, uh, mm-hmm. January the 26th. I like to celebrate um, 2 8 um, my daughter's birthday now being 2 2 and Mamba Day 8 as well as his birthday, 8 But Chris, mm-hmm. what do you make of the statue? What do you think it's going to be? The pose, by the way. And is it going to hit you like a ton of bricks or? Or are you kind of already Man. seeing and feeling it kind of, you know, seeping out? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely going to be an emotional, you know, day. Uh, I think definitely for for Kobe's, you know, late uh, for his widow, for Vanessa, for the th- for his three daughters. Obviously, uh, we know Natalia is uh, in college now, and uh, the other three, Bianca, or the other two, I should say, Bianca and Capri, are are old enough now. I think where they could kind of have a memory and really a- appreciate this aspect of it, and I think they could really understand how special their their father really was and what he meant not just to the laker organization not just to the nba but really to this the entire city of los angeles and beyond uh you know it's it still doesn't feel real that he's no longer here and of course uh you know gianna bryant either such a sad day what happened january 26 2020 and of course the seven other victims the alt uh, uh the mauser family the the chester family the altabelli uh family i mean there was a lot of loss you know, a lot of people have been have been going through it. So to have this sort of memorial, I hope it's going to be a celebration of life and what he was. And by the way, as far as the pose, I've been saying it for years. The fadeaway jumper, man, that was an iconic Kobe shot. That's what everyone still does. When you have a crumpled up paper and you're shooting it into a trash can, what do we always say? Kobe, as we're falling away. It wouldn't shock me if it's that. I could also see them doing something simple where he's kind of clutching his jersey with his with his mouth ajar you know maybe standing on the uh standing on the scores table at the end of the 2010 that's what i think it is finals that's what i think with his arms spread out that would be that that would be interesting uh you know it's eight on, eight on the front 24 on the back that, yeah that's what i and that's that's good too I, I didn't even think about that yeah eight on the front 24 on the back 
um, it's going to be special. And it's a long time coming because not many players in any sport can say that they spent their entire careers, let alone 20 years with one team. Kobe was, was one of the few. And, um, you know, we're, we're once again reminded of, of his greatness and the mama mentality continues to trickle down, not just to the players of the NBA, Chaz, but to all of us, whether you're driving a bus, an electrician, a plumber, you get up every day when you're not at your best and you just keep pushing forward. Why? You got to have the mental toughness, the mama, mama mentality. Mentali- so that trickles down to everybody. And, and, and that's yeah. what it's all about. You keep it. We know it is oh, yeah. what it is. Well, another great show in the books. We'll talk to you guys next week after we find out who wins the Super Bowl. And we're gearing up for All-Star Weekend as well. And we got some great competitions. We got number one picks in the skills competitions. We got actual dunk contests going down with Jalen Brown in there. Obi Toppin's brother. Forgot what his name is, but I saw his videos. And he can fucking throw it down. So I got a great topic about that next week. We'll get into that as well as anything else that happens. You guys know where to follow us and where to tap in on Twitter at me at Chaz Pearson on Instagram at Chaz P. Chris, where can I follow you, my man? You can always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo. I'm on Instagram, CCamelo1. Be sure to follow us on our social media pages at the outlet forum. That's at the outlet forum on so uh, on uh Twitter. Instagram and and YouTube and Chaz, I guess I could go out by singing Ricky Ricardo's "We're Having a Baby, My Baby and Me." We're having a baby, my baby baby and me. Oh, baby and me. All right, man. Well, you guys know what it is. We'll see you guys next week, and when we tap in, go Chiefs. Peace. Mm